Most of the time, he talks it out with the voices in his head. Other times, he gets an artist to answer his questions, and you get to listen to it here. Welcome to Toad's Tunes. Hey, Mr. Ryan Robinette. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, I'm glad you finally made it out. I know that you've been been talking to people here at Country AF Radio for quite a while to get your butt out here to Stoney's. Yeah, I've been uh, begging you guys to bring me out here forever now. <laughs> I don't think it's begging. Come on, man. <laughs> no, nah, I just heard a lot of good things and was excited to get out here. Dude. Got to Vegas early this morning. I can't believe you just like packed up your shit and drove out. Yeah, it's uh, it was not fun. No, but experience, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's really what we get paid for is shit like that, right? <laughs> yeah. So you sleep tonight. You get up tomorrow morning and then you drive back. Uh, no, we get a Flagstaff actually. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Booked another show with it. Yep. Where um, are you playing at there? The Museum Club. Okay. On sixty six. You've been there before. Nope, that'll be the first time too. Yeah. Right. How far west have you gone before? All the way to Cali. Yeah. yeah. Where, where'd you play out there? Um, Tin Roof, San Diego. We played a booze cruise out of Long Beach. Um, man, way back I played with Tyler Rich out there at the Lyric, I believe. A couple places there in LA. Right. Have you been to Moonshine yet? I've not. I no. have to get you out there. Definitely want to get out there. We yeah. do some booking with Michael out there. It's super fun. That. Um, I think we we just did a deal with Tyler Braden in cool. He's July right now. Yeah, I've been wanting to get him out here forever, and it just kind of like uh, I called up Nick and I was like, "Dude, I have this date open. I'd love to have him out here. I've already talked to Michael, um, and see if we can put this thing together." So we did. It worked out. He's going to play, I believe, here on a Friday the twelfth, and there on the thirteenth or the eleventh there, and then Friday here. But we're excited to have him. Out. That's what we like. We kind of like to do if we get far enough ahead of it, we can. Nice, yeah. It's yeah. kind of nice. A, he's crushing it. I just watched him in Nashville, actually. Right? Yeah. For CMA, CMA Fest. Fest. Yeah. Where did he play out there? Uh, whiskey Jam. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Dude, that, that, that whole... The, uh, like, 12 Whiskey Jams that they had during that. <laughs> did you play that? Uh, n- not this time, no. Not this time. Not you played that. it before? Yeah, yeah. That that whole setup over there is kind of cool. Uh, didn't understand it at first, and then when I started to go to it, and it's just just the re- the, the relationship. My understanding is nobody gets paid. Uh, <laughs> everybody comes in and kills it. Well, not nobody gets paid. <laughs> well, most, yeah. most. Well, I'm just saying the musicians don't get paid. Right. The bars are making. No, some the money. bars are making. That's what I'm referring to, dude. Nobody thinks about the bar at the end of the day. Right. They they just think about the music. What's your favorite place to play in Nashville? When you're home, oh, man. That's tough. Um, I just played True Music Room in Cambria Hotel, and that sound system is great. It's great. Really cool. Um, Never been there. Yeah, that was my first time. Um, the local's really cool spot. Great sound there. Um, and, of course, I mean, Whiskey Jam's great. Dude, yeah. that Win- whole vibe. Winners, yeah, yeah. It's it's an experience there. So, How long have you been in Nashville? Um, two years and two months, yeah. What made you just pack up and go? Um, man, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> what was her name? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So I, uh, I mean, I always played music growing up. Um, my, I grew up crazy poor. My dad raised me and my two brothers by himself and kind of always wanted to do music, went to college because my dad wanted me to go to college. Right. Uh, did the whole thing and started making decent money and, Probably about three, three and a half, yeah, years ago. I lost my grandma and my uncle, like all in a year span, and I was just like, "What am I doing? Like, I, like, I don't want to do this. My soul's in music." And uh, right, so I started writing again and uh, put out for a while. Wrote on Tyler Rich's first EP, and things snowballed. And from for a while, John Marks put on New Boots, and then put my second single on there and i was like yep we're going to nashville sweet so, just yeah. kind of who all went to nashville with you when you uh, made the me and my wife yeah yep. how long have you been married oh man put me on a spot yes sir. recorded too um eight years dude that's pretty cool eight, no, no, be eight years in october yeah. kids no no kids in the future um maybe maybe we'll see yeah. what does your wife do is she in music or physical therapy oh right yeah, she so. works at vanderbilt that's a good place to be. I like that area. Yeah, she loves it. Hell yeah. I think that would be tough to just pack up and uh, chase your dream, but we find that sitting down with these artists, that that's pretty much what they all did. They all, I love to hear what their last job was, and what was your last job? Yeah, same thing. We actually went to school together for physical therapy. Really? Um, PTA, physical therapist assistant. And, and uh, yeah, so we did that. We worked same place for a long time, um, same companies anyways, and, yeah, we... Uh, I was taking care of uh, my family. I was helping my family out a lot and stuff, too. And um, 
it was tough when we packed up and we'd uh, kind of settled down and thought we were where we wanted to be before those. In life, right? Yeah. 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 And, well, at least she did. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, uh, but she did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely stressful, but uh, she she loves it there. Yeah. She Once we got there, she's like, yeah, I don't want to leave here. So, Had she ever been there prior to you guys moving there? A couple times when I would go up and write, yeah. Right. So I was making trips back and forth for almost a year and a half before then. Yeah. Who was the first person that you met in Nashville, like musician-wise? Um. Well, I met Tyler Rich before he moved. He was still living in L.A. Um, he came to Orlando at the Tin Roof there and met him. And actually, the very first write was my first co-write. I wrote um, I Can Teach You Off his first EP with him. Right. Um, so when he moved to Nashville, like, two months later, he just introduced me to everyone when I came up. And, uh, yeah, from there, it was just all history. Uh, my second co-write ever was on that trip where I went up to visit him was George Dukas. Really? Wrote Always a Love Songs. Yeah. And like he was an artist too in the nineties. Um Lipstick Promises was a song that I used to cover acoustic like forever. So it was crazy. It's kinda cool. Yeah. It's, it's full circle. Yeah, I I still pinch myself, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. I don't think any of it's quite soaked in yet. No. What's your goal like as a musician? Do you do you I mean I'm, it's probably fair to say what everyone says, but do, are you looking for like the label deal? Are you looking to just tour and write and make a living out of it? I mean, what what's like the ultimate goal for you? Yeah, I mean, right now, independently, um, of course, a record deal, publishing deal. Um, I really wanted to write. That was my thing. Um, that was my strength. I ki- I picked up a guitar the first time when I was 13, so I could write right um, as a release and stuff. So that was my goal, and then. With streaming and stuff, it was possible for artists to get their music out there to millions of people without having a million dollars to get it out there. Sure. Um, same thing with Country AF Radio. Yeah. People like us uh, get to expose our music without all that money behind us. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely the right record deal for sure and the right publishing deal. Um, I've been talking with a lot of labels and publishing but I'm not rushing anything. Yeah. Sure. I'm doing really well independently. Um, I work my butt off, and I want to make sure that when the time comes, it's the right deal. I saw something today I haven't seen in a while. The last person I see do something like this was Carter Winter, but uh, I was on Instagram today, and I started noticing you're out there looking at people that have been to Stoney's, and then you're reposting to them, telling them if they're still in town, if they're hanging out, if they want to see some good music, come see your show. and all. I haven't seen that in a while, and I think it's that... Uh, Shameless. Dude, it's the grind. Shameless self-promotion. It's the grind. It, it is, it, and it's thinking outside the box. Um, that's, I mean, that's why I'm here. Social medias were a part of it. Like, big it's huge. Time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and reaching out and actually being touchable to people yeah. who are listening to you, like not acting like you're above them and really trying to connect with them because I do appreciate everyone who listens to my music and I wouldn't be able to do this without them. Yeah, definitely. I noticed that before, like when uh, I I believe you posted something about where should I play next or something like that. And that's kind of how it like restarted stuff here again, where the Mm -hmm. people are like, you got to come out to Stoney's, that sort of thing. And it's kind of like, I pay attention to that stuff. And I run a lot of stuff through our stories where I say, you know, give us an artist that you'd love to see at Stoney's that you haven't seen or one that you have seen and just kind of like see how things go from there. That's Mr. Chris Loudon. He's he owns hey, the place. Chris. It's kind of a fun place, right? Yeah, super cool. fun. I I heard that song um, "Hitch a Ride" by Delta Ray, mm-hmm. and it's right up his alley. Yeah. So I sent it to him, and all I wrote was uh, gave him the Spotify link, and underneath I wrote, "You're welcome." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we do that a lot. He he turned me on to uh, Brent Cobb, um, someone I had never really listened yep. to before. And uh, this guy, when Cadillac Three comes to town, um, he disappears, dude. Like yeah. he just starts drinking, and them. And so does all the beer yeah. and whiskey too. So yeah. tequila, actually. Yeah, that's kind of funny. That's uh, him and Midland is probably the best story ever. They they came through here and played, and uh, they they drank all the high end tequila we had, and all we had left was 1942. So we had a bar manager at the time, and Chris went and grabbed a bottle of 1942, and the bar manager came up to me and goes, "Dude, we can't do this." And I, "You can't do what?" And he was like, "He just took a bottle of 1942." I went, and. <laughs> Fucking owns the place. What are you going to go yell at him to take it away from him? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, go ahead. You take it away from him. Yeah, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He, Cadillac 3 played here one night, then the next night they played down in Laughlin at uh, another place that they used to own. And uh, um, 
their tour manager had to kick Chris off the bus because he was <laughs> drinking so much. But they're like, dude, listen, we need to go to bed because we got to get up early and leave. And yeah. I was like, dude, that's fucking funny. You got kicked off the bus. That's a good story. <laughs> he grew up with um, the Warrant guys. Okay. Um, so, yeah. like, that's his, 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 his thing is he loves that era of time. So... Um, we book a place in Coeur d'Alene as mm-hmm. well, and uh, I think he just booked Warren up there so he can go up there and go watch him play or something. Nice. That's pretty funny. Cherry pie. <laughs> yeah, that's the only song they had. They just had Kip Winger up there last weekend. <laughs> what was the other? Uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah, I don't. Dude, I'm going to stop at Cherry Pie. There you go. <laughs> I believe the story behind that song was they never even wanted to play that song. No, I don't, yeah, I remember actually watching some sort of like documentary on hair bands and, right. and stuff, and yeah, hearing that, that yeah. they were like, hated the fact that they had to play it right it was the one song they didn't want to but mm-hmm. they had to but it made them who, who they were if there's an is there an artist out there i'm not gonna say if is there an artist out there that like um what they've done that you kind of see yourself like these are the steps that i would like to also take like a thomas red of the world how he just came up the way he came up or a luke combs or i think luke combs is uh, an anomaly, anyone but, yeah, <laughs> anyone would want to be luke combs for Dude, sure he yeah. played here and open for Corey smith yeah um paid him 500 bucks and then the highway. Um, His left shoe costs 500 bucks right, right now. <laughs> and those fucking Crocs that he's got. Is that the song? Highway? No, what's his, what was his first song? Hurricane. Hurricane. I don't yeah. want to say. It came out on the highway mm-hmm. uh, um, like the week he played here. So people came out to see him. Not a lot, but people came out to see him just for that song being played yeah. on the highway. It was kind of, kind of funny. And Corey Smith's like first trip out west. And it was just, a, it was a rough night altogether, but knowing that he was out here. Yeah, I think. Uh, He's moved on pretty well from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, right? I just say that you know we springboarded his career here at Stony's Rock. <laughs> I'm gonna put this out there right now. Just remember where he played. Where he played first on the West Coast. <laughs> Took that 500 bucks and recorded a second demo. That's right. <laughs> um, man, I uh, I got to open for Russell pretty early on when he was still doing like Tin Roof stuff. Right, and I remember just his energy and stuff and charm on stage and how quickly he, he did. And he did it. You know, his wife was helping Kaylee, with merch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, and they were just such a cool couple. Um, the first time I got to meet him, he was super helpful and humble and just see how quickly that actually happened. That, I mean, that was literally probably two and a half years ago that he was, I mean, he played here. There's like 40 people maybe. Yeah there like the first time he played here about 700 people came out to see him and it was like uh we had just gotten back opened again there were some rough parts of this business that we had and we left for a little while and chris and i came back and it was right about that time russell was one of the first probably six weeks of artists that we had out here so people were really and um he was rad i remember he's a rock star man he's um the reason why i went back and i met john marks at that show was because they played here in their whole camp drummer everybody was like um, if someone says you won't to me and it's like one of those things, I do it. So they were like, you won't come to Nashville. You won't, you won't. We'd already planned on coming like two days after that. So me and my girl booked our flight a little bit early. Didn't tell Russell, didn't tell Kaylee. We just kind of like showed up yeah. and their tour manager was, I, I wrote him like, dude, we're here. He's like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, yeah, we're here. <laughs> so I walked up to Russell when he was outside doing his, getting his yeah, seat, yeah. uh, his whatever plaque thing. I, I remember what it was, but, um, turned around he's like what the fuck are you doing here? I was like, you said you won't dude so but he's a he's a neat dude kaylee's really neat their whole camp oh, is yeah, neat kaylee's I mean, sweetheart yeah, yeah. I, I love how they uh they're um we have a thing here when they come and play here we always uh the minute we book them i get a text message from kaylee and it's um uh, are you still with heather that's the first one and the second one is are we having sushi because we always there just walk go. over to the kabuki place and go that's have awesome. fish and i met his 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 dad uh um I don't think of man. Russell Richard Richard Dickerson, N- neatest dude in the world. Neatest dude in the world. I mean, and look I, at Russell. So yeah, I mean, you learn a lot about them. He, I mean, that, I I would say that great artists to follow in an idea of what they have and how tight they are and the things that they do. And um, it's almost family first in that thing. Even if you watch them online today. Yeah, and for me, it's always been around about taking care of people around me. Um, my band and stuff like always comes first. Right. If I have to suck it up and lose a little money and make sure that they get paid for what they're doing, then so be it. Like, I've always been like that, and it's always been about loyalty and keeping people close to me. Dude, we like the the loyalty side here is rad. I mean, we've learned some stuff. Uh, Granger played here um, a couple years ago, and then he came back through the following year, and they tried to book him at a casino. 
And he, he was, was like, like, nope. He was like, no, I don't, I don't want to play the casino. You do whatever you have to do. Call Stoney's. I want to play there again. And uh, we couldn't afford him. So he took less money to come back and play here. We gave him an upside to stuff, but he still yeah, made less money than what his awesome guarantee though. was. And I think that's what the experience is about is we always hope that um, we always hope that an artist, they love their experience here, and that's what it turns into, something that they remember down the road. I always joke with um, Austin Burke. Love, love dude, Austin. Yeah, he's my boy. I, I booked that show with him the same way I booked it with you. DM. Dude, just the second show he's ever played was here. And it's like one of those things where we're trying to build this thing with him here, and that's what that's what we like to do. Is uh, his story is due when I get big, which he's I, I believe that kid's gonna gonna, yeah. gonna blow up too. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure. I'm 98 percent sure that uh, I have one of the cuts on his new. EP nice. Too, so, what's yeah. what's what's that one called? Uh, nowhere. Nowhere. He yeah. played. He played the last time he was here. He, he plays played it live. So yeah, he played a couple of songs that he had started to record when he was here. Like two months ago we have fun with him he's a good kid yeah man. He, he's literally one of the sweetest human beings <laughs> so is lexi yeah she's fiance, a sweetheart yeah. too she's a sweetheart um, too and all of his band i'm really good friends with yeah, those dean guys too. dean yeah, yeah. crazy talented those are good <laughs> it's his birthday guys. today too right dean's i think it is i don't know i, I think I'm, we both fucked that one check. up <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll have to find out this will come out way I after felt like so it's it was okay before or it's already happened maybe not yeah i, I want to say wrong. i saw something today that um cammy one of the girls that um, works at Losers here. Okay. Always, she used to work for us a, a long time ago, but um, she's good friends with him. Gotcha. I believe I saw something that she posted with him in his birthday, and I meant to write him, but I'll have to check. Total yeah. brain fart. Yeah, I've slept like three hours. Dude, that's no excuse, man. You're in so. Vegas. <laughs> you shouldn't be sleeping at all. There's no in sleep in Vegas. Do you gamble? Um, yeah, I lose money, dude. Yeah, so we all do nah, that. I, I normally, yeah, I'll I'll set aside a certain amount and right lose it most of the time. Yeah. My and wife will get lucky on like penny slots and win like <laughs> four hundred bucks, and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like over there struggling, right? Yeah. And she's just like, my girl's dad. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing. What are you? Uh, oh, what is this gambling? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I'm right. like, <sighs> she looks up the machine and goes, "What's this four hundred thing? <laughs> is my, this good? Did I win?" My girlfriend's dad goes to uh, the grocery store a lot, and he'll come home hit four nines, four tens, four whatever every time. Two hundred fifty bucks, two hundred bucks. I'm just like. I'm not that lucky. I had a Royal once. Yeah. But, I, I uh, just know that. Like, yep, yeah, I'm probably going to lose this. Yeah. Well, that's and, why you put it in the budget, right? Yeah. Once you put that in your head, then it doesn't feel that bad. <laughs> that's what you have to keep telling yourself. Because <laughs> I always look around and go, this place wasn't, isn't this beautiful because they lose. Amen. 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 Right. What's your um, favorite place to hang out in Nashville? Like to go eat? Like, do you have a go-to that you and your wife kind of like when you're, when you're on your, your downtime, <clears> you just like to go and... Yeah, when, when we get downtime, I mean, there's actually, like, just a couple, like, um, Las Palmas. There's a couple of Mexican Cinco de Mayo, like, next to us that, like, away. It's, like, down towards Brentwood. It's okay. away from the hustle and bustle. Right. So um, by the time I get down with a couple rides and stuff when I'm in town, like, it's 7, 8 o'clock, and we'll just run down there. and just it's two easy. Of us. Yeah, yeah. We got turned A lot up. of Uber Eats. A lot of Uber. <laughs> yeah. I've never done that. <sighs> Man. One thing I've never done. I don't have the energy to go out later, and I'm like, it's like eight o'clock, and I got home, and I was like, I've been in rice for twelve hours, and I'm like, yeah, just Uber eats, just Uber eats. That's funny. We went to uh, Monell's. Um, the Swan Brothers guys came through here and told us to go in there, and that was. That's why I like to do it because I know that people that listen to these, they'll end up writing back and go, dude, I tried that place; it was rad. That sort yeah. of thing. But Monell's has been like the hit for us in um, Virago. There, the sushi bar. There are, yeah, there's some really cool. There's some. I'm a good old boy. Like I, I'm like. There are some really, really nice places, and it's probably just wasted on me. Right. Um, there's a really cool craft, like, burger place close to us, too, called Murph's, and that's, okay. like, some of the best burgers I've ever eaten in my life. I'm going to go try that next yeah. time we're there, and I'm sure other people will, too. They're turkey burgers, chicken burgers. Man. So, so good. Yeah. Best pizza in Nashville. Ooh, man. That's Don't say, tough. like, five points or something like that, right? Mm. <laughs> that's what you're going to go with? Yeah. Um, I'm, what's the... Two boots, across from like losers. I think that's what's called. Across from losers, and actually, it's across from um, Kung Fu. Uh, no, on um, Division. That's got really good pizza. Good pizza. I mean, I don't know. I'm normally drunk when I go. The in only there, thing so. I know outside of losers is that fucking hot dog stand. Then he pops Daddy's up there. Daddy's dog. Daddy's dog. <laughs> so, Mr. Loudon, that you just saw, we were in there one night and. Uh, uh, he was playing some drinking game with some artists that were cheating. We won't mention any names. Um, <laughs> Scott Stevens. But um, Chris walked out, 
and his hotel, he was staying a different way, and we were staying at the Hutton. He was staying somewhere else. They gave his room away because, as you can see, he's all over the place. He forgot to check in, so they gave his room away. <laughs> Fucking retarded. <laughs> so uh, uh, he gets his hot dog. Puts the thing down, yells at Scott across the fucking place, calls him <laughs> cheater, loser, everything like that. Pulls his pants down and starts walking away. Rilla's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, I'll just pick you up downtown somewhere because I'm sure that's where jail is. <laughs> it's probably not acceptable around here. But. He was trying to show him some other street. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I have no idea what he was doing. No idea. Uh. Dude, so the rest of the year for for 2019, what do you what what do you have going on? Are you writing more, releasing more? I know you got two new singles out right now. Yeah, um, new I'm, boots. <clears throat> yeah. Great song. Thank you, man. Great song. Yeah, it's a uh, it's done really well. Um, Mark's, um, John Mark's put it on new boots playlist. Yep. Um, it's gonna hit a million probably in the next couple months. Awesome. Um, yeah, and then I put out if you're drinking, and I put out my third summer EP that dropped today actually. Hello okay. Summer Volume Three. Um, Honestly, I have so many songs. I need to stop putting out music, <laughs> but I, I can't. Um, I'll probably put out a couple more singles before the end of the year, and then I have some more big shows coming up. I'm going back home um, to where I grew up, the Guernsey County Fair in southeastern Ohio. And nobody, was, n- nobody cares about Ohio. Oh, yeah, sorry, I don't care about it. <laughs> in that area, I thought you were going to say no one knows where that is, and I was like, no, you're right, nobody knows where that is. I was going to say that. He told me he was from Ohio, and Ohio State, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I like to, I try to go back home and do stuff for our community as much as I can. Right. Um, actually, a really cool thing I did, we have a small high school in southeastern Ohio, graduates, like, it's a little bigger now than it was, but I think we graduated, like, 100 people. Wow. Class, and... uh so the Hello Summer Volume 3, that album cover, I actually had a contest at my old school and had kids in the middle school and high school like cool design them. And the winner was actually the one that you see right now. Really? Yeah. So she got like a $50 iTunes gift card um, and she's going to get like a cornhole set with it on there. With it on? Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Like that. Yeah. I think anytime you do anything like that that's tangible for, for fans is rad. I mean. Yeah. For me, that's what's all about i just think back like i remember the first time i like first concert real concert i went to was toby keith and i loved it but when i started going to smaller like jason aldean was probably my third concert and he played to like at that time maybe 400 people 500 people right i just remember how much more i enjoyed that because it felt more tangible it wasn't a amphitheater it's an experience yeah exactly um so i want to keep doing stuff like that um i'm actually working on partnership with bose i don't know if i should say that <laughs> but to give away some house concerts and like oh, stuff nice. like that yeah um to keep fans engaged and also to do cool things for the people that have let me do this we had um olivia lane played here and she ran a contest where she did uh here in vegas she people entered to win and she went and played at their house yeah i think that's the same thing yeah. dude that's so rad yeah. I, it's only every time I've heard of something like that. I mean, it's. I thought we did some cool stuff here, but that's like that takes the cake. I mean, it, it, I'm excited to do it. Yeah, for sure. I think we're gonna start in Nashville and do like a 250, 300 mile radius, right? And then kind of hit the spots around where the other big fests I'm playing are, and just be like, hey, put it on social media, right? And within 250 miles of this next concert, you can win a house concert, dude. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I think that that. Uh, Anytime you do something super organic like that, where, where people get that experience that they can't, I always say that, that, so last time Austin was here, Burke, we did a, um, ran the contest online, uh, and you got to go indoor skydiving with him. Yeah. And you sit back and like, the first time we did something with him when they just came, well, they don't want to say they just did because it was rad. He played three songs acoustic. Um, they got to do like a meet and greet, hang out with him. And then I had the whole everyone got catered dinner so they all i set the tables up real long so he sat in the middle and he talked with everyone the bands that talked i was like that, just that experience so we were like how do we step it up from there so we did the indoor skydiving thing and the girl that won still talks about it like it's kind of one of those things that she will, will never forever. go away yep never yeah. go away and to me even as because we're all music fans first before we ever start playing music right and as a fan like being able to do that with an artist that i loved sure um, like yeah that would stay with you forever for sure yeah it's one of those i i sit back and i, I joke because i got to see, i'm old i got to see the rat pack <laughs> like the legit rat pack play and i sit back and it's something i will never forget like uh, my mom took me to see fleetwood mac and she's like 
I don't have a date, so will you go with me? I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. Fleetwood Mac's awesome. Yeah. She's like, you probably won't know any music. I'm like, mom, I'm going to be just fine. <laughs> I, I promise right. you. I think I'm going to know all their songs. But it's like one of those things you never forget. And that's what I love going to Nashville now. And I love um, when we went to CRS, the people that we ran into were like, dude, are you coming to Garth Brooks and to Zach Brown Band? And I'm like, nah, I'm going to go see some new music. And they're like, the big joke was Garth Brooks is probably going to play a new song. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, not that he sucks, but yeah. I want to go see what's new. So I went and saw Austin Jinx play at the Basement East to maybe 40 yeah, people. Great voice. Yeah. Fucking unreal. Yeah. Uh, and then I went over to the Bluebird, and I'd never been there before, and um, I got to see Girls' Night there. Stephanie Quell played and a couple other chicks, and I was like, nice. there's maybe 50 people in that room. And you sit back and go, I'll never forget these two, ever, ever. Yeah, there's something so cool, especially like in Nashville, even the writers' rounds and things, the listening room. I don't know how I missed that. That's one of my favorite places to play. Right. That place, I've only been there one time for during CRS. They did the uh, music row thing there. Yeah. And you, when people are playing, you can hear a pin drop in there. Yeah. And that to me is so cool. People are there to actually enjoy the music. It's social, but it's not like no one's there like partying. They're, right. They're sitting at a table, they're listening to the lyrics, they're really soaking in what you're doing. And to me, there's nothing cooler than that. Right. I mean, We've tried to do a couple things here where we bring artists out, like the writers. First time I ever met John Stone, he came out as a writer. And we opened up early, and we put chairs out, and we tried this thing. It just didn't work in this market because I don't say people don't care, but I don't think they dive deep enough into the music uh, to know that side of it. Yeah, and I also think you have to get what you're – you have to understand what you're going into. Right. And not – that's just – basically a Nashville thing that's sure. not a thing that's really done anywhere else like there's starting to be some random like listening room type places popping up but for the most part like that's just Nashville I'm I just got reached out to by a guy that that works with uh, a writer by the name of Brian White who I think has been here before and Craig Campbell's on his thing and somebody well, else Craig. and they want to they want to start doing a thing here and um You'll see tonight, it's just probably not the right arena for it because it's more of a, I mean, we are a honky-tonk. That's yeah, what we yeah. are. And you'll see that people will come up that care about the music will be up front and people that are here to dance will be in the back. And it's a, it's a, it's a different thing that people look out, like as an artist. Sometimes mm -hmm. I'll go on the stage and I'll freak out because I'll be like, fuck, there's nobody here. And then the minute the artist starts well, playing, they just... This place is huge, too. Yeah, well, they suck yeah. them in. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of neat. It's a neat yeah. experience. And even if they don't go to the front and they're just dancing, uh, I... I've talked to the artists after, and they're like, dude, we've never done that before where we're just playing and people are dancing. And I'm yeah. like, well, you did something good because you keep them on the dance floor, you get to come back. That's kind of like, yeah, no pressure. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not super worried about it. We're going to change it. this whole set list. I'm going to go back to just don't talk. That's the only thing I tell people is, like, they want to come here and have a good time. Like, um, and it's a fun place. It's a fun place for new music, and we're getting to, to, to be known for that. Like, not so many people go, if you ask them at the door, you hear, you're here to see the band tonight, they're like, no, we just know it's going to be good. Yeah, we're just here to see whoever's going to be. Yeah, here. it's not going to be shitty, that yeah. sort of thing. That's a that's a great reputation to have. Once you start getting built-in crowds like that and you develop that reputation, yeah, you're going to get people who are want to come here no matter what. Sure. And again, like what you said with Granger, who's going to want to come back here. Yes, yeah. just for that right reason. There was a place... 20 years ago here called the Boston and on Friday and Saturday night, it was before the web was anything you, everything was flyers but people would go because they knew that they earned How their Friday night How long ago was that? Jeez <laughs> <laughs> That's when paper was made dude <laughs> You weren't kidding about the rap pack thing <laughs> <laughs> I was a teenager when I saw the rap pack I really was man silly but that was that was the thing people would just know that on friday they could go to the boston it was going to be a good band because it was earned to get there and mm. we just we get a lot of requests for local cover bands to come play here and we're like no we don't do that here we don't like a lot of the, the local stuff like if an artist comes through and plays too many covers it's not a good thing just because you can go down the strip and see it all day long we're not looking good man dude, no. shut the fuck up dude <laughs> I I heard one heard. original that's it <laughs> <laughs> whatever I heard uh, two covers, I think, during soundcheck today. Yeah. Uh, I think we we normally do about four. Yeah, it's like not bad. 16, 17 song set. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> tell you that I've had bands come in here and play 12 covers. And I, I just sit back and go, what the fuck was that? I I put out now 25, 29 songs in the past two and a half years, basically. Originals. Right. So it's hard not to, like, and then I'll get people that are upset that I don't play them. Right. It's like, I mean, I can't play 30 original songs, and that's it. Like, <laughs> like Toad, can I play four more? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for four hours playing originals. I'm like, jeez. Do you have a staple that you play every show? Um, yeah, Dust on the Bottle. Yeah? Yeah, that 
that was uh I don't I mean there's just something about that song. Even when I was younger, I used to jam to it. Um it was one of the first songs I learned on acoustic and stuff too. Right. Um yeah, and I've just always loved it and I think I've covered it basically yeah, since I was 14. I don't see anything wrong with that. Um I'm going to go into a crazy question. I just started asking this one recently. The number one song that comes out these days, do you feel that, that they're kind of handed out a little bit easier, or do you see the music as um, maybe... I think what I'm going at is my approach to stuff is when I listen to music today, am I going to be able to listen to it in 20 years? Like a song like Dust on the Bottle. That okay. song, it's, it, it has no life because it's going to last forever. Correct. And that's such a... That question has so many variables. Sure. Um, at the time, Dust on the Bottle was out in the time. I mean, you can go back to the classic rock. There was only one method of getting songs to people. Yeah. It was the radio. And it was just like now it's controlled by labels and money who get it on the radio. With streaming, everyone's so distracted. And now even major artists are forced to not focus on a single very long. Right. I mean, what, to move on. what Granger's doing, yeah. putting out a single a month or something. like That's where they can't just bury, it, bury all this money into one song where everyone in the world knows it and is going to sing it forever. Right. So it's much more saturated, too, and we're much more distracted. So it wasn't like... It's a good way to see it. Like Dust on the Bottle, anyone who listened to country radio heard that song. Right. And that was it. Like, And you didn't hear anything else. You didn't hear about this band in Indiana who was writing probably great songs and just never got a break. Cool, because they couldn't, they didn't have the money. They, or a method, yeah. yeah and method, they didn't have, right. now we have the internet and Spotify where we have a method to get it to the masses without having a million dollars. Right. So that's a weird question. So yes and no. I think there'll be some still, but not on the level of that, I don't think. Not like there used to be. I yeah. just, I find it a lot, like, I think my frustration and one of the reasons why I enjoy having country AF radio so much is that I look at someone like Adam Doliak, who has a song called Famous that hits number one on the highway, and you sit back, and the people that listen to radio have never heard the song before. And it's frustrating because I sit back and go, dude, Doliak's a badass, man. Like He is a badass. And he's fun, and he's a good dude, and he's got a good camp, and he's just... Um, He's independent, too. Yeah, and he's killing it. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely killing it. And I sit back, and when I watch this whole thing online, when he goes into Stormy and brings his number one cupcake and all that kind of stuff, and I just kind of like get the giggles out of it, and I go, man, this just sucks because everyone should be singing the song. Everyone should be listening to the song. Everyone should have heard the song already. And what I look at the same thing. Kel Dodds has got a song that's going to radio on Monday. We've been playing it for like three, four months. There. Oh, I like where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's just going to radio and I sit back and go, man, this is this is fucking crazy to me because it's been around. Well, I look at yours. Yeah, I was Russell Dickerson. Gonna, I was literally just going to say that. For you said yeah. almost 2 years. Like yeah. it was I mean, it already racked up millions of streams on Spotify and stuff sure. before it ever touched radio. Well, um it was crushing on YouTube, everything. Yeah, I can tell you a funny story about Austin Burke as well as that you got his song um Dude, I'm like total whole lot in love. Yeah. Uh, that's killing it. And I talked to the radio people in this town and I'm like, hey man, why don't you guys play that song? A couple other people picking it up, why aren't you? And they're like, Yeah, we got nothing to follow it. I look at it, I'm like, dude, fucking slower's gone. How many streams behind it? And I'm like, people, what am I missing? So I think that's the frustrating part when I talk about the Doliac. And then even your song, New Boots, like I listen to that song and it's like the meaning behind it, everyone can attach themselves to it. Because everyone's gone through something like that. And they have to appreciate it. So it's like, how else do you get them to hear it other than doing what you're doing and going out and being as social as you are and um, um, guerrilla marketing in today's terms? And we used to do flyering. You're doing it by going out yeah, and just talking you, to people. And you're still putting in, I mean, it's it's the same amount of work. Yeah. Um, you just have to do it differently. For yeah. Sure. But it is guerrilla marketing um, in that sense. Uh, still putting in the footwork and stuff and not just throwing money at it. Right. So. Well, people are going to believe in it because it's not, it's not, it's not fake. I mean, I, I get that all the time that like, I mean, a lot of people probably do, but my inbox fills up with like, I can't wait till this on the radio or like, right. stuff like that. And they're like, I'd never heard of you. I don't know why you're not on the radio. Yeah. You know, and Doliac, I'm sure gets thousands of those messages a day too, you know? Um, and I, I 
don't know if there's ever going to be like any cohesion between radio and streaming like ever i don't i don't know how yeah i i think they started trying to do it by doing what you're doing online radio at least right. and stuff where you can stream it from the other side of the country if you wanted to sure um but i i just don't know streaming's here to stay like it's not going to it's not going to go away um what we're seeing now is a lot of labels investing in things like Digster, um, Topsify, other big playlist companies, sure. basically, creating these seemingly unbiased brands um, that are really just... It's their, like their, their brands? It's like their radio station, sure. basically. Yeah. I liked it. Um, one of our things that we, we know that I... Which is smart. I mean, it's genius. It is. Yeah. Well, if you can get people to follow it, correct, and people not to read into what it really is, you're not. Gonna, I'm not going to listen to FGL every day. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing over and over yeah. and over again. But it's no different than the other stuff. I mean, we come through and and um, I push Cody to play some more new music versus the stuff that he plays. But he also understands um, a different um, aspect of terrestrial radio than I do. I've never been in terrestrial radio. I just know that when I listen to music and I try and find new music the way that I do it, and that's the way I want to keep doing it, that sort of thing. And I don't like an artist that has, I don't, that's, that, that came out wrong. I don't like it when an artist only has one song on their Spotify and I have to have no, no means to finding in it anything else. It makes it hard mm -hmm. because then I want to know where they came from and where they're today and see the growth in it. But Correct. And that's a different outlook on the music industry before. And that's, you saw that with that radio station that says, what does he have to follow it up? Right. And stuff too. I felt like, that's starting to change and it's starting to happen where before it was like they would record one song, a single, and they would just put so much money into it and right. they wouldn't worry about what the follow-up was yet. Not, sure. Not publicly for sure. Yeah. Um, and now, yeah, I mean, you just have to be consistent. You have to have music out uh, to even cut through the noise a little bit. Right. Um, well, then to get a relationship with someone like John Marks doesn't hurt either. Yeah. Because yeah. He, he, people listen. Yeah. I mean, and Honestly, all the way across the board, um, Rachel Whitney, when she was at Pandora, she helped me out a ton. She's now at YouTube Music, and she's doing the same thing. Um, Emily Cohen at Amazon. Like, I know I'm going to leave someone out here. I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> uh, Sally Seitz at Apple. Um, and Ken Tucker, when he was at Apple Music, he did the same thing, playlisted me a ton, um, got me featured. And uh, unfortunately, he left. Um, but Sally's been doing the same thing for Good. me since then. I think that all goes about who you are as a person, too, for people to continue to do it. I Yeah, I mean, I hope. Yeah. I hope that's well, why. Yeah, I mean. Clearly, it, it's the case. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'm not good at accepting compliments. So Right. Yeah, dude, I think that's a good thing. It speaks volumes. I mean, I remember going back and seeing some of the emails with, with Chris back in the day. And um, I always wondered, like, we booked a little bit different back then where we were, I don't want to say we were forced to book through a booking agent or anything mm -hmm. like that. It wasn't really the case. We didn't have the relationships. And now that Stoney's has its has its foot in the game and uh, we have a marketing, I call this just a marketing arm for us. I enjoy it, um, but it's, it's marketing for us. I mean, yeah. people log on and they listen and they get to hear something new. I had a guy write me today that, that comes here a lot from San Diego, and he's like, you know, in three words, what would you say Country AF Radio is? And he came up with a couple of them. I just went back, and I said, it's the only place that you can go listen to Blake Shelton and then um, uh, Keith Urban, but right in the middle, we're going to throw you some Austin Jenks. Yeah. Because we can. And that's the attitude. Because I'm not going to... I'm going to try not to feed shit out there. Yeah. We're going to try not to. But at the end of the day is like the whole talk with Dole. Like even, dude, I'll just stick with New Boots, your song. I sit back and I listen to it and I'm like, fuck, man, everybody's been there. And that's the neatest part about that song is it's not so far-fetched. You're telling a story, but it's not far-fetched. Yeah, I mean, that's why I find Relatable, love. sorry. That's yeah, yeah, with country music is the storytelling in general. Um, Kenny Chesney, Eric Church, like those guys, man, like I think those are two of the most consistent artists like we've ever seen in country music. Sure. And just song after song like there's just no there's no letdown ever like, right it, it can be different but it's not ever a letdown right and to me that's like the coolest part about country music is the storytelling and it being about a song more than anything else yeah um do you know stevie Mons? yeah I, I i we have mutual friends i don't know him that well though he was just here last week and he was telling me this story about um how they wrote a song when they were down at the writers festival thing in Flo florida and we just started playing it this 
he sent it to me day before yesterday. We just started playing it, and um, he met some girl. Year later, met her again, and uh, um, saw her again. And when he went, he goes, "I have to leave." And she said, "You take this however you want to take it, but I want nothing to do with you." And I just went, dude, that's fu- I gave me the chills doing it again. But I just sat back and he wrote a song called Nothing to Do With You. And it was about that. And hearing how that came together, because him and Stephen Barker Lyles are buddies. And mm-hmm. they were teasing him. Hey, if we get back, do you think yeah, you're going to yeah. see her again? Blah, blah. And they're like, dude, you should go talk. And all this mm-hmm. other kind of stuff. And it turns out that when you when you hear the song, and when he told me that, I just, like sat back. It took me a while to soak it up and be like, remember exactly what he said. And I asked him like three times that night. And then finally, I was just like, fuck, when I listen to the song, I'm like, dude, this is... Dude, I'm surprised no one ever wrote this song before because it's legit another one of those things where she said it in a different manner. She could have been rude, mm-hmm. but she was just saying, dude, I want to hang out and we don't have to do anything. But that, uh, I wrote a song. I had that hook actually. I'll let you listen to it when we're done here. Um, I have a demo of it, um, and it's the same thing. It's called Nothing to Do With You. And nice. the hook is literally, it's like, we could be anywhere, but my favorite thing is when I have nothing to do with you. Yeah, that's fucking rad. Yeah. Dude, it's like, and I, and I come to, you talk about the writing process it being your favorite. My favorite thing that I've learned about country music is that how you guys are all so intertwined. Uh, all the cool people know each other. Uh, so what I'm telling you is Stevie's not cool, so you're good. <laughs> we have no, a ha- but I know Steven really well. I know Love and Theft. Right. Great guys. Yeah. They are. They're, they're, they're good people. Um, we have a hashtag that we've been fucking with Stevie Mons with for about two years, and it's just, <laughs> it's just fuck Stevie Mons. So we have a, a regular here. His name is Aaron. He's a good friend of mine now. Just was a regular before, but now he's a friend of mine. He shows up a year ago with his own T-shirt on the back. It says hashtag fuck Stevie Mons. <laughs> so Stevie sends me a video last night. He's in Indiana. And he goes, dude, I just walked in this fucking bar. And I walk in the bar. And what do they say? They say fuck Stevie Mons. And I'm like, dude, yeah, you're famous for something. You know, it's... That's a bittersweet thing. <laughs> so I told him at least we're talking about you. Yeah. Because... I tease him all the time because we'll play his music and I'll be like, I don't really want to do this, but we'll do it anyway and just, just yeah, fuck yeah, with yeah, them, yeah. this sort of thing. And um, he played our tailgate uh, uh, two years ago and Jimmy Allen was supposed to play, but he had sore throat, so he couldn't play. So Stevie Mons came out and he played the day before, so we played the second day. But right before him was Austin Jenks on the small stage. So I was like, I got up to announce Stevie and I'm like, dude, this was, hope you guys loved Austin Jenks as much as we did. He's fucking awesome, great musician, great person, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, it's a bummer that Jimmy Allen can't play, but I guess we'll throw this guy up here. I don't really like him, but you <laughs> might. In front of everybody, dude. So it's kind of like, he's just like, well, there's that. But <laughs> they don't know that you're kidding right yeah, now. <laughs> I don't, don't want to say I didn't care, but that was part of the fun of it. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. just, he's, when you dive into that relationship with 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 what country music is, you see that these people, they they're, Dude, the writing that you guys do and um, you being a musician telling your story, I always look at it in a sense you have to be somewhat different, crazy, not in a bad way, but to tell your story. No, for sure, yeah. It's it's a very vulnerable thing. And to sit in a room with sometimes strangers and throw out ideas or lines or stuff that you've felt that you'd like, is this... Are they gonna think I'm stupid? Like, right. Like, yeah, like, I'm sure. Did they not ever feel this? And now I'm be like, oh crap, maybe it's just me, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a very vulnerable experience. Um, but that that's part of the reason why you feel so connected quickly to so many people is because you're laying down your walls in that room pretty quickly and getting to know them. What do they so. call it? Like this this is a safe zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can kind of say Seriously, whatever. Yeah. Um your 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 first experience, you said you wrote your first song with Tyler Rich. Um, your one first, of my co-write? first co-writes, yeah, yeah. So you knew him prior to that? No, you didn't. Um, so you walked in like that. Basically, he was coming to Orlando. So I was living in Orlando at the time, um, and he was coming to Orlando to play the Tin Roof there. Yeah, and girls from Got Country online, which was a country blog, yep, reached out and like tweeted at him that he should write with me and like hang out. And then he DM'd me from there, and I was like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." Like. So after that, he came over to our house like the next day after the show and sat on our back patio and we wrote that song. And basically, we've been great friends since. Yeah. It's weird how that works. I mean, have you had an awkward moment where you've written with someone and it just was like, well, that didn't. I won't ask who it was or anything if yes, it did, but. Plenty, plenty of times. Really? Yeah. You walk into a room and it just. It's like it a dating, click. right? Yeah, for sure. I, I think everyone's at different levels um, and everyone's confidence level, like with writing is at a different level. And I think uh, sometimes people can get intimidated and pull back and yeah, it's hard to let on your wall and right. like, say things again, like 
when you get in a room with someone who has music out and is doing things and like you know that they are writing well and then trying to like throw out ideas that you're not confident with is very hard so and then there's some that just like you just don't click personalities don't click and uh because it needs to be a very cohesive like thing and there's always give and take you're yeah. gonna like a line that someone else isn't or vice versa and you make compromises and uh it's easiest when an artist is in the room because they can have the final say. Right. If you're writing for this artist, you're like, well, I would sing this. I wouldn't sing that. And it's like, cool. That makes it easy. So you go in knowing that when you go into a, a co-write, you know it's ahead of time who you're writing for? Yeah, most of the time. Um, there are some, like at pub companies and stuff, where you just have the best writing writers. For a book? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're writing for like, oh, okay, we'll write for Jason Aldean today and not really know if he's ever going to even see it. Right. Um, or... If there's just something heavy weighing and you want to write it, you know what I mean? There are times where it's like, can we just not pretend like this is a job today and like just write music? Yeah. And you have those times too. But most of the time, it's easiest to have a direction with the song. Um, so normally what I do, and uh, actually Frank Leger is a track guy and he drums for Adam Doliak, um, one of my best friends. And we'll just find artists like in town, basically. They're like, yeah, I'm looking for new songs. Like, I need some people to write with, and I want to put out stuff. And we're like, cool, let's write. And, and, and we'll you, write towards them. How do you you make money on that if the song gets cut and goes somewhere sort of thing? You make money on that never. Right, <laughs> <Yeah>. Never. <laughs> um, unless, unless it's on the radio or, um, yeah, it gets cut by someone major. In general, like the writing royalties from streaming, um, which is where we're at right now, why everyone's got problem with it is it's not very good right mechanical royalties was where it was at when people were buying albums by the millions yeah um because at then it was only 9.1 cents and that was split between all the writers on the song so there's three writers and they sell you know 10 million copies that's gonna be a lot of money sure um but they sell 50,000 copies it's like nothing nothing right it's not enough to pay bills that's pretty crazy. I always wondered the industry on that side of it all, of, of everybody writes, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you pay your bills? <laughs> that's where I sit back and... Yeah, that's why, honestly, that's why I continued the artist route as well, is because that's what pays the bills. Right. Um, the writing was why I wanted to do it. And then I was like, oh, well, if I own the masters and I'm the artist on the song that's where all the money's coming from. You know, I think my my favorite person as an independent that's come through here was Cody Johnson, and he said something that was really neat. Is that he's like, I've knocked on everybody's door, everybody's door, and they all offered him something different towards the deal, and obviously he ended up signing a partnership. But when he came through here, he was still an independent, and one of the things that he was saying was like, you have to stay true to yourself and do the things that you believe in that you are, because if you don't, you're always going to end up back there anyway. So... I've had other artists that come through here and they've said stuff like, oh, I only recorded that song because I knew that it was a good song. It's not who I am, but it's a good song and it'll get me noticed. And I don't yeah, I don't see the weight in that. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird game to play. And I'm not saying it never works because I'm sure it does. Sure. Um, but in general, like, music is one of the few arts where they expect whatever you're singing to be you, a direct reflection of your personality sure. and who you are. Um, and when fans can't feel like that's connected, then there is something missing to me. And I, there are songs where I'm like, that's like, doesn't feel like you or like to me as, as just right. a consumer, you know, uh, uh, we so did a, a dangerous game. We did the review of, I have a friend of mine that did the review of, um, uh, um, Michael Ray's Amos album. And he didn't write anything on that. I didn't know that. When he played here, I had no idea. But then I look at it, and I looked at the connection, and I was like, he sold it. Yep. Sold it to me that, I mean, and for everyone out there, I don't think anyone ever looks at it and go, they probably look at it and go, oh, that song's for Carly Pierce. And the end of the day is like, it probably is now, but it wasn't written in that manner. That, yeah, that, yeah. that sort of thing. And I think that's where it does work in that sense. And that's why I've always asked, like, there's artists out there that don't really write that much. And I'm like, what do you do? Just go pick up a book? Jason Aldean. Yeah. I, don't, I might have to fact check, but I don't know if he had a cut on his last album. I don't think he wrote one of them. Right. And look what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. huge. But it always, you're like, that's Jason Aldean. The second you hear it, you're like, yeah, it just yeah. sounds like Jason Aldean. Yeah. He, he'll only record a song that is him. Yeah. That sort of thing, which is. And that's that's how you stay there. Yeah. 
I heard a story about um, um, Red Atkins when he first went to Nashville, and um, um, he told the story as he went there, see if he liked it, walked into a bar. There was two people in the bar, the bartender and a guy playing this music, and he ended up getting up and playing some music, and uh, I was like, oh, I think I'm about, thinking about moving to Nashville, and the guy that goes, if you ever come to town, here's my number, give me a call. It was Kenny Chesney. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny that when he told the story, he's like, come now on. my son is out on tour with Kenny Chesney, yeah. and that's what I love about country music so much is that it's legit full circle. It really is. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, there's, there's a lot of cool stories like that. Um, also, there's just like no, there's no right or wrong way. Um, guarantee ask every single artist and every single one of them will have a different story at how they got their foot in the door or how sure they actually started doing it for a living. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I hear a lot is like they automatically assume all the time that I have a record label and a team around me. Right. They're like, Hey, um, I know I'm probably talking with someone on his team. And I'm like, no, nope, it's just me. Yeah. yeah oh, I ask that question a lot. Yeah. I do. I ask it when I'm online. And I go to talk to somebody, but mm-hmm. I don't go after the higher end stuff. Yeah, but yeah. sometimes um, I'll get back this, this what feels like a robot response. And I'm the first one to say, dude, like, yeah. I don't want to talk to a robot, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. We Like, I use some automated messages um, basically just to spark the conversation and i always say in that that like i do respond to as many people as possible and that uh if you like the music or you want to talk about anything just shoot me a message right and i respond to tons of people (laughs) yeah yeah i can only imagine um but yeah to me that's like again that's one of the coolest parts about it is being able to actually connect with the people and hearing that like oh, my God, like, this song, like, I'm going through this right now. Right. And, like, this is, like, therapeutic for me. Like, that's why I do music. Well, and then they can relate to you. Yeah, I think exactly. that's, I mean, you hear, you hear those stories. Stevie was talking about the stuff he does down at Hope Song in Mexico. And, uh, yeah. and how the people just sit back and they just want to listen to music and get an escape from what they're going through. And yep. um, I don't think there's too many genres of music that you can go down there and do something like that with. And Yeah, that's... <sighs> I always run like this weird line because I love writing real shit. Like yeah. I love writing stuff that's from the hurt. You know what I mean? Stuff that like people like, no, I'm not the only one that's hurting. I'm not the only one that went through that. Right. And, but then we do use music as an escape, just like we watch a movie, like we watch a comedy because yeah. we want to forget about life for a little bit. Um, and I remember having bad days and just turning on something upbeat and fun and just instantly, you know, um, so that's kind of why I started that kind of the side project of the Hello Summer and stuff, too, is because I always loved those fun songs, but I didn't want to sacrifice writing real stuff that's going to matter to people. You know right. what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it's to me, it just made me think of that because you're saying it's an escape. It is. And it definitely it's always is. been that way for me, too. Yeah, I think people look at music, and it's kind of funny that we see a lot of stuff that people tag Stonies on. Um people that go to other festivals and they'll see stuff that makes me happy is they'll see like Jackson Mickelson wore a Stony shirt at uh, country jam in Colorado last night. I think I'm going to walk through here and just like grab up all the shirts well, as I'm going I'm, I'm going to let you, <laughs> but the neatest thing about it is people tagging. They're like my, my, my favorite place at, at home is here where I'm at today. And I look at that as music in a sense, because they're looking at an artist and an artist is taking their home with them. And I think it's a sense of comfort in some sense. And music's always been like that for me. I remember growing up and uh, I was little. I didn't grow till I was 19. When I say little, I mean short little fucker. But <laughs> I would sit in my room and listen to this show called... So that was, what, like 60 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I'm flipping them off again. Um, but I would listen to a, a station here called KUNV and they had a show called The Rock Avenue. And people like the Smiths were on there. Probably don't. I mean, you might know who that is, but um, I sit back and go, this was the same thing that it is today. It's the music that people just didn't get to hear because it was on uh, um, a college radio station and it was super underground and people really didn't get to listen to it. And kind of like in every now and then, like a, a band like The Cure would come out with a single, but people would be like, oh, I love The Cure. I'm like, dude, you heard one song. Like, let's yeah, go yeah. back and go deep. And But that's what music is. And I think that's the that's the draw that people have is the relationship they associate it with a time in their life um, and where they were at. And it just, I think that's what it's all about. I mean, fun, happy songs, sad songs. 100%. Relatable songs. Um, Yeah. To me, that's another thing that like, as growing, I grew up, like I said, crazy poor, 
I remember basically scraping together money like every couple months to go buy a CD, sometimes just a single or whatever. Right. And uh, what streaming has done is like I went back and dove into albums that like I never could have bought. Right. And heard cuts that I'm like, oh my gosh, this would have probably changed my life back then. Like, right. Hearing something like this. But you couldn't afford it. Correct. And that's that's another thing that it's like me as an artist, it's kind of like I'm like, man, I still want people to hear those songs. And like if they can't buy them, I want it to affect them somehow still. Sure. Um, and that's another bittersweet part about streaming too. Yeah, I remember when, when um that you first started to be able to steal music online. <laughs> And you sit back, and I used to ask artists back then. Um, They're probably still looking for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you too, huh? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the site that I used to get most of my stuff off of. Uh, there's uh, LimeWire. No. Kazaa? No, I remember bro. that one too. Holy shit. Um, Demonoid. Yeah. That's where I would Demonoid. get on. And I mean, you, you sit back and you look at how you used to have to get on there. You had to be like jumped in in some sense. Yeah, you had to be yeah. vouched for. But... I would sit back and, and always wonder how that would hurt the artist back in the day. You know, what did, what did, what did the stealing of music? And now, I mean, you can listen to Spotify for free. Mm-hmm. You can listen to iTunes for, well, I don't think for free, iTunes, right? Um, no. Pandora, you can listen to for free with commercials. Pandora. Spotify. Spotify. I think those are the only two. YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it now. Everything else is subscription based. The playing field has just changed so much at to to a point where I think that you as an artist, you you have to pick and choose what you want people to hear because it's all there. Mm. Um, I look at stuff of I'm still a guy that likes the whole album. I like the story of an album, that sort of thing, and where it Me came too. from. Maybe even a little bit more than an EP in a sense of just to get a taste of what they're going to mm-hmm. do, but. I always, in my own set, I want to push an artist to be like, dude, you have to do an album. You have to because, and I just, I'm old, so I collect vinyl. Um, I'm not a hipster. It's just something that I've always done. I still have my record player from 1983. Still have all my dads. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, but if you ever go back, like Sunday mornings at home, um, we'll pick an album. We'll just put it on and listen to it. My girlfriend's younger than me and uh, just gets a different experience with music and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, that's kind of what it's about, you know? Yeah, I... And again, that's another struggle of not everything being so saturated. So I put out two seven song albums right away. And um, I put out now my three summer EPs that are all four songs each. Right. And then three separate singles, I believe. And I'm still getting people right now that are like, oh my gosh, I, who like listened to For a While, listened to Proof is on Your Lips, the two that were like playlisted. And those were off the first album. And then listen to mess this up. That was playlist off the second album, and bought my summary P. And they're like, "But I really like this other song that I just heard, and it's like off from an album two years ago." Right. And they re- listened to the single off of it and nothing else. And it's like, damn it. Yeah, and so it kind of feels wasted sometimes. Like it's it's a very it's a ga- dude. Yeah. It's a it's a game now. It really it, is it, because you have to figure out your own algorithm of how to release music and put it into people's hands. But then there's other there's also other people out there that like to listen to it all. Correct. Um, Ray Fulcher just came out with an album, and yeah. I listen to the whole fucking thing. Yep. And I want Love to. Ray. Yeah, he's a neat dude. He's yeah. a super neat dude. Um, we got to cut this because it's been an hour. Yeah, we're good. Uh, um, and you got to eat. Um, Ray posted something about the single that he just released it, and, and he was going to put all the money that he made from it to buy a bike for his sister because she's going through some hard times. Well, Chris and I bought her the bike, and we oh, sent it to her, and we put awesome, stickers man. all over it and sent it to him. And I've been up Ray's ass. I'm like, dude, he sent me a picture of the bike there, but they yeah. haven't got the tools yet to put it together. But he's like, you have no idea what you just did. And I'm like, That's we insane. do this sort of thing because we want to. I mean, it's kind of that they'll never forget that Ray played here during ACM. I won't forget it. You, yeah. Just hearing about it, I won't forget it's, it. Yeah, that's, that's cool, the kind man. of fun stuff that like that. We're we're doing something fun with 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 Granger, we're going to find the same kind of light that he found out of his bad experience through mm-hmm. life. And we're going to do a night here, uh, buying the shirts. We're going to have all our bartenders wear them and we're going to raise some money and donate it to that's the awesome. same way. And that's something that we do with lifting lives. We do it with ACM all the time. We'll pick four shows a year and we'll tout them as those kind of things. And we'll pull the money from that and we'll send it over to the ACM for the lifting lives thing. Just cause Chris will always tell you saw him. He looks like yeah. a fucking homeless guy, but our <laughs> attitude is like his mindset is neat. Yeah, it's a business, 
but at the same time, we want to have fun and be memorable and help out whenever we can and that sort of thing. That's kind of like what, what we like to do. Yeah, and like what you were saying about like personalities and how people like, now that like I met you, I already liked the music. Now that I met you, like I like you even more, and I'm probably going to be even a bigger fan. Cool. The same thing like with you guys, Damn. like a business like that. You're like, yeah, they put on great concerts and stuff. Well, not only that, they do really cool shit for people. Yeah, they help people out. And to me, like I'm, I'm invested at that point. Like instantly. Sure. So that's really cool. I can say that that um, we always do our first show like we've done like this, this sort of thing. The next time you come through town. I mean, I'm going to get with you. We're going to give away a car. <laughs> you're bringing a car to give away? No, I thought <laughs> oh, you had not. the car. You're not. <laughs> we, we've gone as far as to do stuff like um, Carter Winters played here a lot. We do mm-hmm. stuff with him where we'll, we'll fly people out and give them a hotel room and a VIP experience just for Carter, that that's sort of cool. thing. And the next time you come out, that's something that we're going to want to do. I'm, I'm, we'll uh, pressure in a good way to be like, you haven't dude, even how heard can we do the 20 covers different? I'm about to play. <laughs> <laughs> no show tonight, guys. No show tonight. <laughs> But that's like the kind of the, the 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 point of Toad's tunes right here is people to get to know you and get to know an, another side of you, um, and the fun part of it is is people will go to the website to look up another artist and find you, or they'll come there to find you and they'll find another, another artist. artist, and it's all about the growth of it all and um, to get to know you is the second piece of it all to see what what what, what makes you tick and that sort of thing and. Um, so when you do come back, we have a better understanding of how can we make your career a little bit better here at Stoney's. And that's cool. That's yeah. that's the goal of it all. And you, you guys should, are killing it. They yeah. were having fun, man. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And you're here finally. I know, that's finally. probably been close to a year, a little over a year, I would think, that the first yeah. conversations first started. Yeah, probably. And that's that's again. That's why we like to have fun with it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy year at that. So well, we're looking forward to the new EP. Uh, tell people how to find you online. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Ryan Robinette, Twitter, Robinette Music, uh, or just find all of it on my website at ryanrobinettemusic.com. Beautiful. All right, all right, all right. That's the end of this one. Go ahead, roll credits. Recorded by Toad, produced by Toad, booked by Toad, voiced over by Toad. You know what? Toad would just like to go ahead and take this moment to thank you so that he doesn't have to go back and do his real job. <laughs>